0: This is AgriPult's Open Mic, brought to you by CHS Incorporated. CHS Incorporated is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Diversified in energy, grains, and foods, CHS is committed to helping its customers, farmer owners, and other stakeholders grow their businesses through its domestic and global operations. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. This week's guest for AgriPulse Open Mic is Rick Tolman, the CEO of the National Corn Growers Association. Rick Tolman, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Thanks, Ken. Pleasure to be with you. As we head into this fall and the potential lapse of the current farm legislation, are you concerned that we are going to cause unnecessary grief to your members by not going ahead and finishing this farm bill?
1: Absolutely. It's a huge concern for us. We see no reason why there shouldn't have been a farm bill. The Senate did their work, got it done, did a good job. The House Ag Committee did their job, and we're very, very disappointed that the leadership in the House has not allowed um, it to come to a vote so that we could get to reconciliation and get this done. And The time is ticking, time's running out, and we're getting into an election-focused time of the year that will make it much more difficult to get done. So we're to answer your question, yes, we're very concerned.
0: Who's operating in the false world? Is it you, or is it the members of the House who believe that they can cut all expenses to be able to balance this budget?
1: Well, I'm not sure. From my my perspective, you know, I don't know what the real world is anymore, but... uh, I'd have to say that, from my perception, the those members of the House who believe they can cut as much as they're going to cut, and I'm not so sure they're focused on agriculture per se. They're focused on some uh, principles and, and a political statement they're making. And I think the farm bill is one of several pieces of legislation that's got gotten caught in that, in a political statement. I think there's some strategy that has to do with the presidential election and some of the congressional elections as well. You know, for better or for worse, and and, and I, but I'm sure there's good reasons on both sides, it, it, but it's disappointing that we can't get things done that we elected congressmen to do. Get the job done. Don't play
0: politics. People in the past in agriculture have uh, regretted that they couldn't be mainstream, people wouldn't pay attention to them. Well, in the corn industry, since the ethanol period, you've been about as mainstream as you can get. And I wonder your reaction now to the American public's view of ethanol and of farming, and also for people in agriculture uh, being in a business that's been profitable at a time when the rest of the economy has suffered.
1: You, know, you lay out a, a, a really interesting scenario. It's, it's, uh, we have a wide gap between perception and reality between the ag community and, and the general public. The ethanol period, if you go from 2006 to, to current, what's what I call the, the modern ethanol period, has been tremendously profitable for virtually all sectors of agriculture. It's it's been the stimulating force that's allowed agriculture to weather the the recession and be a, a bright light in our national economy. Um, I saw a statistic the other day where since 2006, the value of the corn and soybean sectors had tripled in that time period, and, and you, you can attribute almost all of that to, to ethanol. The livestock industry has benefited. Every, everyone's benefited. Now perceptually, you have you have a lot of People outside of agriculture who are trying to look at that and don't understand that and and are spreading misinformation about what's happened and what, uh, the contributions of agriculture and ethanol specifically to the to the national economy. So it's it's very frustrating. We 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 see and hear things. For example, the statistic that that we we consume more corn for ethanol than we do for livestock. That's constantly now I think, in the national media. Absolutely wrong. We consume more corn for livestock than we do for ethanol by a wide margin still. We process more corn for ethanol, but a third of that goes back in the livestock industry. and is used there, so our consumption of corn for for livestock is still much higher. So it's a big disappointment that we have this gap in perception and reality, and and it's something we're really trying to work on.
0: Rick Tolman, CEO of the uh, National Corn Growers, as you look at this effort to either discontinue or at least suspend the renewable fuel standard are you seeing politics in that that are some of the old politics that have just been there forever with the petroleum companies or are there new people out to cut that mandate
1: there's a little of both there's two things that i see. I, I think behind a lot of this are the oil interests who don't like the renewable fuel standard they don't like the fact that we have over thirteen billion gallons of of ethanol that's of into the fuel supply that's made us less dependent on imported oil we also have have folks that are genuinely suffering in the livestock industry and and elsewhere because of this drought that that are looking for reasons to blame and and ethanol is a convenient reason and um it's created that interesting dilemma but i think it's the the oil industry the refiners and others that are behind this still they're they're opportunistic and they're taking advantage of this opportunity to stir the pot
0: if we no longer had a requirement for a certain amount of ethanol to be blended with gasoline, would the refining industry stop using it?
1: I think they would continue to use it in the short run because it is profitable for them to use. They have lowered the value of gasoline, the uh, level of gasoline that they sell, and they're and they're enhancing that with octane value with ethanol, and so it, it allows them to sell sell a lower quality gasoline, and they improve it with ethanol, so they're making money on it. I think over the long run they would start to phase that out because there are uh, products made from the petroleum industry that they can use to substitute for ethanol in the longer run, but in the short term they they would continue to use it to some degree.
0: Would it be to the advantage of the corn growers and other agricultural groups to just say, all right, suspend the renewable fuel standard? We'll give you that for the remainder of this crop year.
1: You know, that's an interesting question and um, the statute says that if the renewable fuel standard is found to to create severe economic harm to the national economy then it can be partially or fully waived for a 12 month period and we were in agreement in putting that language in in the statute we were consulted on that and so we from from a From a very technical standpoint, we have to be supportive of those who want to exercise that language. Now, whether there's justification in having a waiver or not, that's really up to the analysis that's going to be done by EPA in consultation with Department of Energy and and USDA. And and so, I, I can't tell you whether it's the right thing or not. Their analysis will determine that. And. We're, because we supported that provision in the legislation, we're counting on them doing that in, the, in an objective and scientific manner and determining it. If you had to ask my opinion off the top of my head, if, if they found that there was some economic harm going on to the national economy, then certainly they should look at some kind of a partial waiver for up to a 12-month period. If they don't find that's happening, and there's a lot of factors that go in, You know, if we suspend the renewable fuel standard for a period of time, we, we will likely have higher gasoline prices all those things have to weigh, be weighed, then they shouldn't suspend it. And, and so we're not at this point passing judgment on whether they should or shouldn't. We're supporting the process and showing support for, for the, the analysis that needs to be done to come to that decision.
0: Rick, do you believe that the administration blinked on this about a week ago and is now uh, giving some credence to suspending the renewable fuel standard for this year?
1: No, I don't, Ken. I think that what happened was there had not been anybody with standing that had requested a waiver process. Now you had the letter from the livestock industry that was that was sent to EPA several weeks ago. By statute, they don't have standing to request a waiver process. Neither do we, as the corn growers. Um, there were there was a governor or maybe two governors that sent a letter, but they did not request a waiver process. They they sent a letter in support. The livestock letter. And then finally you have two or three governors who do have standing. Any governor has standing to ask that, that formally request the EPA do a waiver analysis.
0: I'd like a critical review from you of how you feel the first term of this administration has supported the corn growers primarily through their actions on renewable fuels. Has this administration from the president through the secretary of agriculture been supportive of ethanol and renewable fuels in the first four years
1: yeah we we couldn't ask for a stronger uh leadership and supporter than what the secretary Vilsack has been he has been outstanding he's been phenomenal he has stood up for all of agriculture he stood up for livestock industry he stood up for uh the grain producers corn producers and he stood up for the ethanol industry so we've been very, very pleased with the role he's played, particularly with the non-ag media. He's been a champion in, in speaking about the issues in a very plain and direct manner, so we've been very pleased with that. And by and large, the White House has been very supportive of renewable fuels. I, I guess we have some concerns about some of the rules and regulations that have come out from EPA. We're concerned about uh, some of the things in terms of, uh, some of their decisions on, on the renewable fuel standard and advanced biofuels. By and large, I would have to give them a pretty good grade, maybe a B, B B-plus, B-minus, in that range for how they've supported agriculture and specifically the renewable fuel standard in this first four years. And and most of that grade goes to Secretary Vilsack, who's done an outstanding job.
0: Would you give as high a grade to the Environmental Protection Agency for what they've done during this time period?
1: No, I wouldn't. I'd I'd have to uh, drop that to maybe a C-minus. I believe Administrator Jackson has her heart in the right place, and there are those who, who do as well in EPA. Unfortunately, there seems to be a, a, a bias among some of the uh, bureaucrats that are that are there, um, career bureaucrats, in terms of wanting to extend their authority over the things that we do in agriculture, some of these strange rules, the, the dust rule, and some of the things they're wanting to do with water and, and uh, water use are very disconcerting. There seems to be a creeping Way of wanting to usurp authority over over agriculture and other other sectors of the economy by EPA, so I'm, we wouldn't be nearly as uh, generous in our grading of, of EPA.
0: Rick Tolman, thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Thank you. That's AgriPulse Open Mic for this week. Brought to you by CHS Incorporated. I'm Ken Root.